Well, this is the official beginning of our Christmas series here at Uni Hill Church. Um, and I don't know about you, but we put our tree up. It's up now. Who's got their tree up? Oh, that's about half and half, I would say. So that's good. Um, Christmas is all around us. Whether we like it or not, it has begun. The Christmas season is here. Um, the kids are very excited. We got home from, our, from church last week and the kids had the Advent calendar. Um, it's looking amazing. It's sitting up there on the bench ready to go for December 1st. Um, and the kids were very excited to get into it. They said, um, all right, we've figured it all out. There's three of us. So if we all have a turn in a row, then we'll get eight turns each and we'll get chocolate. So that sounded good to them. And I said, hang on a minute. There's actually five of us in this family and I love chocolate. Maybe Steve's willing to give up his, but uh, me, not so much. But the kids adore the advent calendar. They've always loved them. Um, we've had a Lego calendar over the years where they get to open up little um, the doors every day and get a little bit of Lego out and it makes a little Christmas scene. They love it and it just builds up their anticipation and excitement around Christmas. And the season of Advent is about to begin. I don't know if you know much about the word Advent, but I wanted to tell you a bit about this morning. It actually marks a time in the church calendar when we look back at Christ's first coming, but we also get to anticipate that he's going to be coming again. It's an increasing awareness that the king is on his way. And when we look back on the first Christmas, we remember that God sent his son in human form, but we remember that he's going to come again one day. It represents a season of anticipation. And I don't know, when you're younger, you sense that excitement within you, don't you? You start to see, yeah, the tree go up. Um, maybe you go into the city and see the mile windows and the excitement begins to build in you. It happens maybe a little bit lesser as we grow up, but there's that anticipation as we look forward to Christmas Day. What's it going to hold for us all? We're getting our gifts ready. I have not done much Christmas shopping, but there's still time. The shops are crazy, so I'm trying to get there soon. But around Christmas, we think about gift giving. We want to bless the people in our lives that mean a lot to us. We search for the perfect gift for the people around us. And we can easily remember that God is the giver. He's the one who gives us the gift of life and salvation, of new life in the spirit, the gifts of the spirit, so that we can bless one another and build the church. So this Christmas, as we spend some time over the next few weeks around Christmas, we want to invite you to consider some of the specific gifts that God has given us. We're going to look at the gifts of the Spirit in the coming weeks. Now, I've got this present here, and I'm sure you're all wondering what's inside. And if I handed the microphone around, I wonder, I'm sure there'd be some very different ideas we actually are going to unwrap this present, but not today, not just yet. So, there you go, anticipation. There you go. Um, but what we're going to do over the next few weeks, we're going to look at honouring the giver. We're going to look at honouring the gifts that he gives us through understanding them. And in the third week, we're going to look at um, using the gifts. We honour God by using the gifts that he gives us. So today... We're going to start with honouring the giver before we unwrap the gifts. So if you were to walk into my house and if I said, come over um, after church for lunch today and you came in, 
you'd walk into my house and you'd um, see our lounge room. And what you'd see there is a guitar sitting on a stand in our lounge room. So I might tell you about the, the guitar was actually a gift for me. And you might think, oh, that's good. Oh, I wonder who it was from. And, you know, it probably doesn't mean as much to you as it does to me. But I would want to tell you, it'd be my privilege to tell you more about the guitar. And I would say, well, I don't play a lot of guitar. I'd like to. I'd like to get better at it. But it's a very special gift. In fact, it's one of the most precious gifts that I get to call mine. Sorry. <laughs> Emotional. <laughs> So the guitar belonged to someone very special in my life and her name, her name was Georgia and she was my auntie and she was a beautiful, beautiful woman. She was a teacher and she looked for the people on the outside and she would go after them, she would draw them in, she'd teach them. She was a principal, she was generous in heart and generous in spirit. She supported our family through a very, very tough season. She showed up, she was there. Um, practically, financially, her presence was there among us to help us through. She taught me how to drive and throughout high school she was my biggest cheerleader and she'd always be there to support me on um, and call me and check in with me. And she passed away 11 years ago and she left the guitar to me in her will. Now the guitar is beautiful. It's a, a gorgeous maiden guitar but the guitar is precious because of the one who gave it to me. I want to play the guitar well. I want to look after it. I want to treat it carefully. I want to respect it, not just because it's a nice possession, but I want to honour the gift because I want to honour the person who gave it to me. Knowing the giver influences the way that we treat the gifts. And it's out of relationship that we receive gifts. As the depth of our relationship increases with the person, that's why I was emotional talking about my auntie because I had a close relationship with her. So the value of the, the gifts increase as well. There are no gifts without the giver. And we got to do that this morning, didn't we? We got to honour God together for who he is and the wonders that he has brought for us. So we will talk about the spiritual gifts over the coming weeks, but we want to recognise firstly where they come from. We want to focus on the one who is the giver. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come around your word. Lord, we thank you that as we approach Christmas, that we can fix our eyes on you, that we can meditate on who you are and that you came for us out of your great love for us so we just pray this morning as we focus on honoring you and starting in this place lord would you just move our hearts this morning would you lift up our eyes to you we invite you to speak to us and teach us and change us in jesus name everyone said amen so god is a giver of gifts it says in james 1:17 that every good and perfect gift is coming is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change the generosity of god is unparalleled it's unmatched from the creation of the world around us to the air we breathe god has given wonderful gifts to his children and he gives with abundance we see in scripture over and over again a picture of this generous god and it demonstrates who he is it's the largeness of his heart psalm 23 5 
says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of the word table. Is uh, David just sitting down at a table and he's having a cup of water? That's not the picture that we're actually getting here. It's this bounty, this magnificent feast that um, a host, a generous host has prepared, carefully prepared and provided for him. You know, I've got this friend um, that I met at Mother's Group and she is probably one of the most incredible hosts that I've ever met in my life. Um, when we're in Mother's Group, she brought cupcakes one day for us to share. Now, I don't know, cupcakes, you might think vanilla with a bit of icing on top. There was three different types of cupcakes, all had different toppings with all sorts of different types of sprinkles. There was gluten-free ones, there was vegan ones, there was all sorts of cupcakes to make sure that everybody could enjoy the cupcakes. And one time we went to our house and I think you guys were there, you probably remember this, but we had this it was like a five-course meal and everything, absolutely everything was thought of. The attention to detail was absolutely amazing. And you, when you have a generous host, you don't have to worry about your needs being met, but you get to focus on the company around you. You know, we have a similar story when Jesus arrived at the wedding in Cana and the host ran out of wine. He didn't just meet their basic needs of something to drink, but he displayed an, um, generous, an example of generosity for us. He miraculously supplied the best, the most delicious wine. Everyone serves the good wine first, it says, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. He provided more than enough and he freely gave the very best. In the feeding of the 5,000 in John 6, the same thing happened. He supplied food for all those who were weary, who had come, who had not eaten. And there was so much left over. It filled up 12 basketfuls. We get this picture in the Bible. That's just a few. That God is full of abundance. You know, and many of us in this room today we're well aware of the gifts that he has given us, but can we ever tire of hearing about them? Can we ever tire of hearing about the gospel that he came for us? Let's just go over a few of those things together. So what have we received from God? John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God offered his son out of his great love that we might know salvation. We get the gift of grace. It's, it means it's a gift that you don't deserve, but you get it. God, the Son, came incarnate. He came embodied in our likeness. In Hebrews 4, 4, 4, 15, it says that he has become like us in every way, just as we are, so that we would know him, Emmanuel, God with us. We see the gift of Jesus' life and his salvation as he gave up his own life for us to pay the penalty for our sins and then we receive the gift of eternal life God's generosity expressed through the inheritance that we'll receive waiting for us and then we get to Acts and we read about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit given to each of us that God was not just with us but God was within us he gave us his Holy Spirit and he renews our hearts he makes us new so that we can actually recognize the sin in our lives and we can desire to be holy as God is holy and walk in that process of sanctification. And then it keeps going. We receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We read about these many places, but in 1 Corinthians 12, and you can read about the, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But it says there's many gifts, but they all come from God. We're going to get to those over the next few weeks.
We've been given the most wonderful and abundant gifts from God, every spiritual blessing. But we need to stop for a minute and remember it's out of relationship that we receive these gifts. There are no gifts without the giver. If we jump straight to the spiritual gifts or to what God's put in our hands and the abilities he's given us, if we just focus in on those, um, I liken it to that idea of kids on Christmas morning and they're full of that anticipation and they probably wake up at 5 a.m. and they run down to the tree. They're so excited to open their Christmas presents. And, you know, as parents, we want to bless the kids. So they've got a lot of presents. They're surrounded with presents. And they rip open all the paper and they've got these toys around them and they're, they're sort of sitting in a sea of wrapping paper and it's a mess everywhere. And when we just focus on the gifts that God's given us, it's like a kid sitting in that sea of wrapping paper surrounded by all these presents, yet they haven't looked up and locked eyes with their parent, the giver, and said, thank you. Thank you for what you've given me. We've all been there and it's not just as parents feeling that, you know, to be honest, that little bit of disappointment when you, you want to receive that um, thankfulness from your child. But um, even as kids ourselves, like you might think back to your childhood, think about Christmas times for you. You might recall, oh, I didn't really have an awareness that gratitude was due in that situation. I know as a child, I was completely unaware of the effort, of the devotion, um, and love that was poured out so I could receive. Thank you, Mum. <laughs> you know, we just sit there enjoying what we've received all the while, sometimes neglecting that connection and gratitude with the one who has given us all of the good gifts. How does God feel about the way we respond to the gifts he has given us? He deserves recognition as a giver of gifts. He is to be honoured. The gifts that we get should actually cause us to worship, to respond with thanksgiving to God. So the question for us today is how do we honour God? What does it mean to honour him? Well, there's many places in scripture that speak about this and the scripture I heard here was the same one that um, Charles brought this morning and shared with us, Revelation 4.10. The elders, 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne. They laid their crowns down before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. You see, honour, if you want to define it, is to regard or treat someone with admiration and respect. It's to give special recognition to someone. It's something that we actually get to give to someone because the individual is worthy. It's like they've been weighed and measured and they have been found worthy. So when we recognise that God is actually worthy, we want to show him that we respect him, we admire him above everything else in our lives. Honour is associated with position rather than performance. Again, it's not about what we're getting, but it's about what is due to the one who is worthy. We honour God, not just because of what he gives us, but because of who he is, because he is almighty God, maker of heaven and earth. And many of you in this room will testify that the more that you learn about God, the more you walk with him and spend time with him, the more you realise that he is worthy of that honour. To honour God means that we worship him in all aspects of our lives. But I want to look at three particular ways this morning, and there's many, many ways that we can honour God as we go about our lives. But let's 
look at three this morning. So the first one, we honor God with our obedience. I'd love to read to you a story uh, from Numbers 20, um, which you are probably familiar with. So it's a familiar one. The Israelites were in need of water. They had been wandering around the desert still. And Moses and Aaron went to the tent of meeting to seek God about this need that the people had. Um, God tells Moses to speak to the rock and it would release water. Now, previously, in other times, God had told Moses to strike the rock. But this time he asked him to speak to the the rock. Moses is probably frustrated. Um, There's one million people. He's the one they're looking to as the person who has actually led them into the desert. Um, You know, God told him, strike the rock last time, so why not just do it again? And it says... um, In verse 10, Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and said to them, Here now, you rebels, shall we bring up water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And I remember one of the first times I read this, I was like, Yep, okay, we've got the water, like all good. There's I couldn't really read between the lines and went on to see that things didn't quite work out. So I had to go back and reread it. And what we see is that God had asked Moses to speak to the rock. He had given him a, di- a direct instruction. But Moses operates out of his own strength and he, instead of uh, speaking to the rock, he strikes it. God responds and he gives out the water to the people. He does satisfy their need in spite of Moses' disobedience, not because of it. It says that water came out and everybody drank and they were satisfied. But let's listen to what God says about Moses' actions in verse 12. Because you did not trust me in me enough to honour me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Moses had actually failed to do what was asked of him. He failed to obey a direct command. You see, honouring is about obedience. When God asks us to do something, when we are faced with different circumstances in our lives and he is leading us to do something or to not say something, to not go somewhere or to walk out in faith in something, do we trust in God and his character to act according to who he is? When we are obedient to him and trust in his words, we are actually giving him honour as the one who is worthy. I love this quote. Honour in this context of this passage means an acknowledgement in the absolute power and authority of the one being honoured and surrendering total allegiance to his command as will and will. Wouldn't that be just wonderful if that was said of each of us, that we have complete, total allegiance and surrender to God's will? As I said before, when I first read that passage, did struggle to see what was the difference. He still hit the rock. It was just a different way of doing it. But half obedience is not obedience. Obedience is not just about the act that we're doing. It's actually about honouring the one who asked you to do it. You know, I feel like all day long I'm giving my kids instructions at home. It's pretty relentless. And, you know, the kids have various responses. Our youngest one more often responds with, perhaps a little bit of grumbling, sometimes more than a little bit, Um, a lot of questions, why she's seeking an explanation, why do I need to do this, questioning the instruction that I have given her. And sometimes we give an explanation as parents, don't we? 
But when we ask our, do, our kids to do something, it's out of relationship. And we see this with our um, eldest, who's 12, as she's grown in that maturity of understanding that as parents, it's actually our responsibility to take care of her, to teach her, um, to help her grow. She's learned that she can trust that my instructions for her are good. Our relationship means that she might not always understand the why. She can know and she is increasingly knowing that I am for her. I love her. I'm devoted to her. So whatever I'm asking her to do, it's within that context. Obedience shows God honour as we acknowledge his place as the absolute authority in our lives. Second, second, secondary. I don't know what the word is. The next point. <laughs> the next point is that we honour God with our whole heart. The Bible is clear that our honour of God must come from our hearts. So Isaiah 29, 13 says, uh, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. The prophet Isaiah, he was speaking to a people who seemed to honour God. They said the right things which indicated honour. It indicated right standing with God. They, they followed the rules. They did the right things. And Jesus talks about this very passage as he's speaking to the Pharisees of his day about these facades of honour that people put up. And that definitely wasn't the end of it. I imagine perhaps if it was in the current day context, we could think of examples like coming to church regularly or making sure that we come for the Christmas services. We're making sure that we sing the Christmas carols and we want to be a part of it. We might even give to different appeals from different charities at Christmas time. Maybe we're welcoming everyone into our house on Christmas Day. We're having the whole extended family at our house, we're working hard for them and preparing food for them. and We welcome them into our home. But this quote puts it well, that people can draw near to God with their mouths and honour the Lord with their lips and their hearts can still be far from God. And then it says, their speech might betray them though at one time or another, but just maybe never at church. We're very good at being careful with what we say, aren't we? But God wants the entirety of our hearts. He wants us to lay them down before him. Every corner, every shadowy place, every ache, every joy. When we bring our whole hearts to God, we honour him by recognising that he is Lord over it all. In Matthew 7, this thought sort of continues. And Jesus is saying that not everyone who comes to me and says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. These people had the gifts from God. They had the spiritual gifts, prophecy, forming of miracles, but they didn't actually have the heart. So all of that work was in vain. It's scary that we can hold the gifts and not recognize the giver. God actually says in that Isaiah passage that they have removed their hearts from me. What a dangerous thing to do. God doesn't move away from his people. 
He doesn't, but we can remove our hearts from him. So do a heart check. Is your honour of God, is it just, just only coming from here? Or is it coming from here? Where is your honour of God coming from? Now that said, when we do have our hearts in the right place, when they are fully devoted to God, our gratitude, gratitude should bubble up within us and overflow out of our mouths with words of praise. I might get Shem to come up if that's good. So the third point is that we honour God with our worship and we know that worship encompasses many, many different um, expressions and, and, and the whole of our heart attitude. The overflow of a heart that honours God, our lips that honour him in prayer, in submitting to him, in song, in the way that we speak to one another. There's this common saying in Christian teaching that there's this really clear connection between our theology, now that's what we know about God, and our doxology, that's our worship of God. So what we know and believe about God, that will fuel our worship for God. When we begin to see God more rightly as who he is, we can't help but worship him. It just flows out of us, and that brings him great honor. Paul says in Corinthians, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Our prayers are a response to the recognition that all of our gifts come from God. Again, it's not, it's not just about lip service, but a heart that truly honors God will respond to him with words of praise. When our words are an authentic reflection of our hearts, then they are truly giving God all the glory. You know, I think about um, in the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus teaches um, about our acts of righteousness. And he says that when we practice our acts of righteousness in front of others to be seen by them, then our only win, really, is that others have seen us. There's your honour. You've received it yourself. It's just for you. But instead, Jesus says we should offer our acts of worship to an audience of one. Now, that doesn't mean that it's always about having your time alone with God that no one's watching. But what it does mean is that whether you are worshipping God in your car or you're worshipping God on this platform, that you're doing it all for him. You're doing it that he would be honoured. I don't know if you guys watched the Christmas carols on Christmas Eve, but we grew up watching them every single year. And it was a tradition that we loved and we still do. Um, we would sing all the songs and engage and participate. And when we were younger, they had High Five on there. That's a flashback to the 90s. And um, I'm sensing the dance moves in my head, but I won't do them. Um, and we would all get up and do, do the High Five dance. It was fun. But we loved it. And if you watch um, the carols, you'll know that a signature performer is Sylvie Palladino. Now, I don't know Sylvie personally, but I'm pretty sure she's a legit follower of Jesus. Okay. So my point is, at the carols, we often watch these people who we don't know, and they sing Christmas carols that have rich theology about Jesus, don't they? They're full um, of about Jesus' coming and what he did and peace on earth and um, worshipping Christ as king. It's amazing the theology that we get out of our Christmas carols, but, but all these people get up and sing them and we can't help wonder, do they know the person they're singing to? Are they giving honour to God? 
And then Sylvie Palladino gets up, right? And she just gets to choose the most amazing song. And she gets up and she sings. And because she knows that God is Lord over the whole earth, that Jesus is King and he came and he's coming again, when she sings, it just overflows out of her and tears just stream down her face because her worship, it honours God. It honours God because her heart is devoted to him. What she knows about God leads to her worship of God, and that is honouring to Jesus. That is what it's supposed to look like. You know, because of what we've received, due to each of us, we have a different measure of gratitude, and the outpouring of our worship will be in response to what we've received. It'll be in response to the way that we walk with Jesus, and it will honour him. We've got so many opportunities to declare his goodness with our lips, with our praise this Christmas. Maybe it's telling someone what the true meaning of Christmas is. Maybe, you know, there's many people in our worlds that actually don't really understand. They think it's just a cultural holiday. You know, many of our neighbours and many of our daughter's friends, they don't really know anything about Jesus. We get to tell them. We get to tell them the truth of the one who came. We get to sing carols together to honour Jesus. So we honour God with our obedience, with our whole hearts, and with our worship. So for you today, some questions. How can you honour God in this season? What does that look like for you and your family? How can you recognise that it's out of who He is that we actually receive all of these generous gifts? Maybe it's taking some time to, to meditate on these things, you like journaling or going for a prayer walk or whatever it is and, and dwelling on some of these scriptures that we've talked about today so that you can consider who he is and his greatness. How have you experienced the generosity of God? Maybe for you it's writing a list of all of the ways that he has blessed you. Firstly, in revealing himself to you, Father, Son and Spirit, and then all of the things that flow on for that. You know, maybe it's catching up with a friend and calling that out in each other's lives if you're struggling to and reminding each other of the gifts that God has given you. You know, one thing that we love to do as a family on Christmas morning, and this is for us, every family is different, but we love to stop before we open the presents and read the Christmas story together. And it's just one small thing that we get to do to honour God and that the day is about the coming of Jesus. Be intentional at this time. It's busy, but be intentional about carving out time to spend with God. We give honour when we choose to spend time with Him, to sit with Him. How do we dishonour God when Christmas is so busy that we don't even have any time to sit and spend with Him? It's tough, but sometimes we sort of get the point a bit more if we reverse it. Christmas is busy. It's a busy season. But God wants us to remember that he is the one who came. He came so that we could have this freedom and all of these beautiful gifts. Last scripture, Luke 17, Jesus tells a story of healing 10 lepers. And he says to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were healed. One of them, one of them out of 10, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself down at Jesus' feet in worship. 
and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus said to him, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? I don't want to be like those nine. I want to be like the one who comes, who puts aside other things that I might come and sit and kneel before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and give him the worship that is due to his name. Knowing the giver influences the way that we honour the gifts. We're going to continue on with this theme. We will unwrap this in the coming weeks. Why don't you all stand with me this morning? If you're comfortable, why don't you just all lift your hands this morning? I'm just going to pray over us as a community that we would have our hearts right. And we have this opportunity today to begin to think about this. To surrender whatever this Christmas season might look like for us. Whether it's the busyness that's on your heart and stress. Whether it's unanswered questions. We can bring it all before him. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can come together under the name of Jesus. We thank you that you have made yourself known to us and that we are a people marked by your presence. And Lord, I just pray over each of us here in this room. Lord, would you lead us in this season? Father, help us to honour you. I just pray even right now that you begin to speak to people about different ways that they can honour you in this season in their lives, Lord God. Holy Spirit, would you lead us as we seek to give you the honour and the blessing and the glory that is due to your name? Lord, I just pray against the distraction and the lies that will come to tell us that we just don't even have time for that. Father, we surrender to you. We surrender to you. All of our questions, all of our lists, Lord, and we want to give you honour for you deserve it. It is due to you, Lord. So, Father, we just pray for blessing for everybody, every family represented here. We pray over this Christmas season, would you bless them? Would you be glorified in their lives? We pray that as they begin to meditate on you and and seek you, Lord, that that um, worship would rise up within us, Lord. It would bubble over and it would pour out to all of those around us, Lord, that we can be a light shining on a hill, pointing people to you and you alone. Father, we pray that the honour... Any honour that comes out would only be to you, Lord. All glory to be to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.